0: Ennead 3 book 4 by Plotinus translated by Kenneth Sylvan Guthrie This LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by Geoffrey Edwards Third Ennead, book 4 Of our individual guardian Outline of natures in the universe other principles remain unmoved while producing and exhibiting their hypostases substantial acts or forms of existence the universal soul however is in motion while producing and exhibiting her substantial act or forms of existence namely the functions of sensation and growth reaching down as far as the sphere of the plants in us also does the soul function, but she does not dominate us, constituting only a part of our nature. She does, however, dominate in plants, having, as it were, remained alone there. Beyond that sphere, however, nature begets nothing, for beyond it exists no life, begotten matter being lifeless. All that was begotten prior to this was shapeless and achieved form only by trending towards its begetting principle as to its source of life consequently that which is begotten cannot be a form of the soul being lifeless but must be absolute indetermination the things anterior to matter namely the sense power and nature are doubtless indeterminate but only so within their form they are not absolutely indeterminate. They are indeterminate only in respect of their perfection. On the contrary, that which exists at present, namely matter, is absolutely indeterminate. When it achieves perfection, it becomes body, on receiving the form suited to its power. This form is the receptacle of the principle which has begotten it and which nourishes it. It is the only trace of the higher things in the body which occupies the last rank amidst the things below. After death man becomes what he has lived. 2. It is to this universal soul especially that may be applied these words of Plato. The general soul cares for all that is inanimate the other individual souls are in different conditions the soul adds plato circulates around the heavens successively assuming divers forms that is the forms of thought sense or growth the part which dominates in the soul fulfils its proper individual function the others remain inactive and somehow seem exterior to them. In man, it is not the lower powers of the soul that dominate. They do indeed coexist with the others. Neither is it always the best power, reason, which always dominates, for the inferior powers equally have their place. Consequently, man, besides being a reasonable being, is also a sensitive being because he possesses sense organs in many respects he is also a vegetative being for his body feeds and grows just like a plant all these powers reason sensibility growth therefore act together in the man but it is the best of them that characterizes the totality of the man so that he is called a reasonable being on leaving the body the soul becomes the power she had preponderatingly developed let us therefore flee from here below and let us raise ourselves to the intelligible world so as not to fall into the pure sense-life by allowing ourselves to follow sense-images or into the life of growth by abandoning ourselves to the pleasures of physical love and to rather let us rise to the intelligible world to the intelligence to the divinity laws of transmigration those who have exercised their human faculties are reborn as men those who have made use of their senses only pass into the bodies of brutes and particularly into the bodies of wild animals if they have yielded themselves to the transports of anger so that even in this case the difference of the bodies they animate is proportioned to the difference of their inclinations those whose only effort it was to satisfy their desires and appetites pass into the bodies of lascivious and gluttonous animals last those who instead of following their desires or their anger have rather degraded their senses by their inertia are reduced to vegetate in plants for in their former existence they exercised nothing but their vegetative power and they worked at nothing but to make trees of themselves those who have loved too much the enjoyments of music and who otherwise lived purely pass into the bodies of melodious birds those who have reigned tyrannically become eagles if they have no other vice last those who spoke lightly of celestial things having kept their glance directed upwards are changed into birds which usually fly towards the high regions of the air he who has acquired civil virtues again becomes a man but if he does not possess them to a sufficient degree he is transformed into a sociable animal such as the bee or other animal of the kind our guardian is the next higher faculty of our being three what then is our guardian it is one of the powers of our soul what is our divinity it is also one of the powers of our soul is it the power which acts principally in us as some people think for the power which acts in us seems to be that which leads us since it is the principle which dominates in us is that the guardian to which we have been allotted during the course of our life no our guardian is the power immediately superior to the one that we exercise for it presides over our life without itself being active the power which is active in us is inferior to the one that presides over our life, and it is the one which essentially constitutes us. If, then, we live on the plane of the sense-life, our guardian is reason. If we live on the rational plane, our guardian will be the principle superior to reason, namely intelligence. It will preside over our life, but it itself does not act Leaving that to the inferior power. Plato truly said that we choose our guardian, for by the kind of life that we prefer, we choose the guardian that presides over our life. Why then does he direct us? He directs us during the course of our mortal life because he is given to us to help us to accomplish our destiny. But he can no longer direct us when our destiny is accomplished because the power over the exercise of which he presided allows another power to act in his place which however is dead since the life in which it acted is terminated this other power wishes to act in its turn and after having established its preponderance it exercises itself during the course of a new life itself having another guardian if then we should chance to degrade ourselves by letting an inferior power prevail in us we are punished for it indeed the evil man degenerates because the power which he has developed in his life makes him descend to the existence of the brute by assimilating him to it by his morals if we could follow the guardian who is superior to him he himself would become superior by sharing his life he would then take as guide a part of himself superior to the one that governs him then another part still more elevated until he had arrived at the highest indeed the soul is several things or rather the soul is all things she is things both inferior and superior she contains all the degrees of life each of us in a certain degree is the intelligible world by our inferior part we are related to the sense-world and by our superior part to the intelligible world we remain there on high by what constitutes our intelligible essence we are attached here below by the powers which occupy the lowest rank in the soul thus we cause an emanation or rather an actualization which implies no loss to the intelligible to pass from the intelligible into the sense-world the intelligible does not descend it is the sense-world that rises for is the power which is the act of the soul always united to a body no for when the soul turns towards the superior regions she raises this power with her does the universal soul also raise with herself to the intelligible world the inferior power which is her actualization nature no for she does not incline towards her low inferior portion because she neither came nor descended into the world but while she remains in herself the body of the world comes to unite with her and to offer itself to receive her light's radiation besides her body does not cause her any anxiety because it is not exposed to any peril does not the world then possess any senses it has no sight says plato for it has no eyes neither has it ears nostrils nor tongue does it then as we possess the consciousness of what is going on within it as within the world all things go on uniformly according to nature it is in this respect in a kind of repose consequently it does not feel any pleasure the power of growth exists within it without being present therein and so also with the sense-power besides we shall return to a study of the question for the present we have said all that relates to the question in hand the guidance of the guardian does not interfere with moral responsibility five. but if before coming on to the earth the soul chooses her life and her guardian how do we still preserve our liberty because what is called choice designates in an allegorical manner the character of the soul and her general disposition everywhere again it is objected that if the character of the soul preponderate if the soul be dominated by that part which her former life rendered predominantly active it is no longer the body which is her cause of evil for if the character of the soul be anterior to her union with the body if she have the character she has chosen, if, as said Plato, she do not change her guardian, it is not here below that a man may become good or evil. The answer to this is that potentially man is equally good or evil. By his choices, however, he may actualize one or the other. The soul has the power to conform to her character, the destiny allotted to her what then would happen if a virtuous man should have a body of evil nature or a vicious man a body of a good nature the goodness of the soul has more or less influence on the goodness of the body exterior circumstances cannot thus alter the character chosen by the soul when plato says that the lots are spread out before the souls and that later the different kinds of conditions are displayed before them, and that the fortune of each results from the choice made amidst the different kinds of lives present, a choice evidently made according to her character, Plato evidently attributes to the soul the power of conforming to her character the condition allotted to her. Our guardian is both related to us and independent of us besides our guardian is not entirely exterior to us and on the other hand he is not bound to us and is not active in us he is ours in the sense that he has a certain relation with our soul he is not ours in the sense that we are such men living such a life under his supervision this is the meaning of the terms used by plato in the timaeus if these be taken in the above sense all explains itself if not plato contradicts himself our guardian helps us to carry out the destiny we have chosen one can still understand thus why he says that our guardian helps us to fulfil the destiny we have chosen in fact presiding over our life he does not permit us to descend very far below the condition we have chosen but that which then is active is the principle below the guardian and which can neither transcend him nor equal him for he could not become different from what he is that man is virtuous whose highest principle is active within him Six who then is the virtuous man he in whom is active the highest part of the soul if his guardian contributed to his actions he would not deserve being called virtuous now it is the intelligence which is active in the virtuous man it is the latter then who is a guardian or lives according to one besides his guardian is the divinity is this guardian above intelligence yes if the guardian have as guardian the principle superior to intelligence the good but why does the virtuous man not enjoy this privilege since the beginning because of the trouble he felt in falling into generation even before the exercise of reason he has within him a desire which leads him to the things which are suitable to him but does this desire direct with sovereign influence no not with sovereignty for the soul is so disposed that in such circumstances becoming such she adopts such a life and follows such an inclination between incarnations is the time of judgment and expiation plato says that the guardian leads the soul to the hills and that he does not remain attached to the same soul unless this soul should again choose the same condition what does the guardian do before this choice plato teaches us that he leads the soul to judgment that after the generation he assumes again the same form as before, and then, as if another existence were then beginning, during the time between generations, the guardian presides over the chastisements of the souls, and this period is for them not so much a period of life as a period of expiation. Even the souls entering into animal bodies have a guardian do the souls that enter into the bodies of brutes also have a guardian yes doubtless but an evil or stupid one condition of souls in the higher regions what is the condition of the souls that have raised themselves on high some are in the sensible world others are outside of it the souls that are in the sense-world dwell in the sun or in some other planet or in the firmament according as they have more or less developed their reason we must indeed remember that our soul contains in herself not only the intelligible world but also a disposition conformable to the soul of the world now as the latter is spread out in the movable spheres and in the immovable sphere by her various powers our soul must possess powers conformable to these each of which exercise their proper function the souls which rise from here below into the heavens go to inhabit the star which harmonizes with their moral life and with the power which they have developed with their divinity or their guardian then they will have either the same guardian or the guardian which is superior to the power which they exert this matter will have to be considered more minutely fate of the divisible human soul as to the souls which have left the sense-world so long as they remain in the intelligible world they are above the guardian condition and the fatality of generation souls bring with them thither that part of their nature which is desirous of begetting and which may reasonably be regarded as the essence which is divisible in the body and which multiplies by dividing along with the bodies moreover if a soul divide herself it is not in respect to extension because she is entirely in all the bodies on the other hand the soul is one and from a single animal are ceaselessly born many young this generative element splits up like the vegetative nature in plants for this nature is divisible in the bodies when this divisible essence dwells in the same body it vivifies the body just as the vegetative power does for plants when it retires it has already communicated life as is seen in cut trees or in corpses where putrefaction has caused the birth of several animals from a single one besides the vegetative power of the human soul is assisted by the vegetative power that is derived from the universal soul and which here below is the same as on high consists in the unpredictable circumstances which alter the life-currents if the soul return here below she possesses according to the life which she is to lead either the same guardian or another with her guardian she enters into this world as if in a skiff then she is subjected to the power by plato called the spindle of necessity and embarking in this world she takes the place assigned to her by fortune then she is caught by the circular movement of the heavens whose action as if it were the wind agitates the skiff in which the soul is seated or rather is borne along thence are born varied spectacles transformations and divers incidents for the soul which is embarked in this skiff whether because of the agitation of the sea which bears it or because of the conduct of the passenger who is sailing in the bark and who preserves her freedom of action therein indeed not every soul placed in the same circumstances makes the same movements wills the same volitions or performs the same actions for different beings therefore the differences arise from circumstances either similar or different, or even the same events may occur to them under different circumstances. It is this uncertainty that constitutes providence. End of Ennead Three, Book 4